happened there. But I made it stop. Okay. Oh, good morning, everyone. It's fun Friday. <laughs> Just let me... <laughs> Nick, see, this is precisely why you and I are eating hot chips soon. Yeah. Because you can't get it together. Clearly. And you got the you got the try, guys. The most fa- oh hey David. Hello, Doug. Have you found any hot chips on the internet? Has anyone sent you any hot chips? We need the Dougaholics army out in full force, searching the streets, wherever you live. Send them in. We need hot chips. We need well, what we need is money. Those chips are expensive. Those things are better than money, Doug. Sixty dollars per chip, Nick. It's yeah. it's supply and demand. They've the the company that makes the chip for the one chip challenge. By the way, if you have no idea what we're talking about, we did our draft.com challenge this week. David won, and the stakes were the two losers had to take the one chip challenge. This hotter than hell chip that that all these celebrities, you know, you see it on all the sports shows. So we wanted to get into the action, except I forgot to research how expensive this chip was. And it ends up being $60 because of supply and demand. The company that made the chip is sold out of the chip. And if you want one, you got to go to the secondary market, the, the hot chip black market, where it's $60 a chip. Gratuitous. Can I just say this is? I'm a bit surprised. This was a bit off brand for you, Doug. Normally, you would, <laughs> I would expect to have heard some sort of complaint or you know some sort of uh, aggravated argument against the hot chip challenge. But maybe is this the sign of a new Doug? Uh, no, are, it's are not. You? No, it's not the sign of a new Doug. What it is is I I enjoy. I I thought I was going to win. That's what the there's no, <laughs> that's the thing. I thought I had it in the bag. I had the first pick. I, I got Giannis. I thought I had it in the bag, and I just wanted to see you two gentlemen suffer. That's not off-brand for Doug at all. And now That's you've made exactly see. Right. Now you've made me refer to myself in the third person. <laughs> that is off-brand. So now we're back to the new Doug. Which one is it? I want to. I'm going to start the show. I, I just want to say I never agreed to any of this. That's actually that's technically true. <laughs> You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. Nick, just because you didn't agree to something doesn't mean that you don't have to partake. I didn't agree for president for the president to be Donald Trump, but here we are. That's what it is what it is. We all have to take our hot chip every once in a while. This is Locked On Hornets. Welcome in. I'm Doug Branson. I'm joined by the panel here on a fun Friday. Oh, from the mean streets of Cotswold, his beautiful picture on the screen right now here on YouTube.com forward slash Locked On Hornets, the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. That's right. Sometimes I just want to show you guys a picture of my smiling face. I just wanted to keep the smile up there the whole time to remind you of that big win I had in the chip challenge, Doug. I know you'd never forget, but I just wanted you to remember. Hashtag never forget. Okay. From the <laughs> capital city, Nick Denning, the mug. 
I, I woke up like 10 minutes ago and I said, you know what? I want to come on the podcast. So here I am. Wow. That's it's right. dedication yeah. from the panel. We've also, yeah. Steve Bob's going to show up eventually. Steve Bob <laughs> has, has turned into a total diva. He does one segment that becomes a hit on this show. The, the Steve Bob eBay. Steve Bob. And that's it. He's turned into a diva. He gets his own now he's drop. Got a rider. He needs like only red Skittles. He right. Needs, uh, LaCroix, LaCroix, cool to 45 degrees. Absurd. Hey, I want to quickly like mention it. this. A lot of you have been asking us when we're gonna, going to get some more t-shirts in. We did one last year. We've got plenty of t-shirts on tpublic.com. We've partnered up with tpublic.com for some awesome shirts. You can get mugs and other merchandise. We've got a Kimba shirt up there. We've got a Malik Monk shirt. We've got uh, Buzzamania t-shirts. So if you're a Buzzamaniac, if you're part of the nest, if you're on with us on patreon.com forward slash LOH, check out tpublic.com. Great way to show your support uh, both publicly and financially for this show. Every dollar goes to helping make this show better and better as we move through this season. I want to say hi to some people in the nest right now on the live chat on youtube.com forward slash locked on hornets. We got Daniel in for a fun for a fun Friday. He says, I've had my coffee. I'm feeling like Eric Collins after a Troy Daniels buzzer beater this morning. Hey, Troy Daniels had 23 points last night for the Phoenix Suns. Unfortunately, the Houston Rockets had uh, about a thousand points, so it didn't help. <laughs> like, is that all the points they scored? Because yeah, it was <laughs> no. Phoenix scored. They, I think they scored like one fourteen. It was just the yeah. problem was Houston scored one forty five, ninety Man. points, ninety yeah. plus points. I think in the first half, for like ninety five. Yeah, for the yeah. Houston Rockets. You know, I have a theory. I have a theory. You're you're gonna win a few games if you score 95. If you, if you score almost 100 in the first half, we should try and do that. The Hornets. I don't know what uh, I don't know what the issue is. First half pizza. Uh, okay, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Search your podcast app for Locked On to get podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, and fantasy sports. We've got a big show. We're gonna talk about what we learned this week. Uh, Also got a preview of tonight's game against uh, Chicago, plus Steve Bob, whenever he shows up, whenever he decides to grace us with his presence, has a very interesting piece uh, of of Hornets history, of Hornets (laughs) memorabilia in a segment we're calling That Belongs in a Museum. That Belongs in a Museum. Right. So he'll be on with that later. Okay. It's Friday. We got time to kind of step back, look at the week that was, gentlemen. So we're going to do a segment called What Did We Learn This Week? It could be about the Hornets. It could be about the NBA. It could be about life in general. David, since your face is on the screen, would you like to kick us off? Perfect timing, guys. This has nothing to do with the Hornets. Actually, it does have a little bit to do with the Hornets. Uh, the other night, the Hornets, as we know, were on ESPN, which is uh, a, a national network. That was a national game, right, Doug? I just want to clarify. ESPN, that was a national game, right? That was. I, I double-checked. Okay. okay. So I utilize the ESPN app, guys. I don't know if you're familiar with this. The ESPN app now allows you to multicast games. Multicast is the millennial term for picture-in-picture. Picture. Multicast, I should have said. Multicast. Um so what I did was I had the Hornets on, uh, you know, filling the screen. And then I like to keep my eye on the, uh, the Carolina Tar Heels as they sometimes play at the exact same time as the Hornets, which is always fun. 
So I put them up in the little uh, picture in picture up just up, you know, uh, no sound, but just up in the, up in the corner there. Uh, and it worked remarkably well. Have, has it, have either of you ever experienced this? Oh, that sounds this amazing. Oh, yeah, it is amazing. Have you guys have you guys used this feature? I've Are you familiar with it? Never. But it sounds okay. amazing. It sounds. It is amazing. That's great. I like it. And, and I like and ESPN. Part, I, I like anything that isn't uh, t- that isn't my cable subscription. I, I oh, keep my cable subscription yeah. solely for Hornets away games. And I I hate everything about my cable box. I despise my cable box. I'm telling you, man. I cut the cord. This is part of the cord cutting experience. Uh, it's it too everything is well. too far behind. League Pass is like th- 17 minutes behind. Live in the now, Doug. Fox Sports Go is a is a couple of minutes behind. I just I can't. I gotta I gotta be instant. Everything is instant. Oh everything my is God. you you and your all instant plugged in. That's very off brand for you. I'm shocked. I'm t- you know what? You know what's off brand for me right now is you telling me what's my brand. That's what's off brand for me. Uh, Nick, what did you learn this week? Uh, um, I, uh, about the Hornets, about anything. Yeah, I, I feel like I learned that there's um, people like are gonna. I should I should have known this already, but it's I just feel like there's um, no matter what, like like the Hornets are not playing well right now. And it just seems like every time there's one bad stretch of play, mm-hmm. I, I discover that every single, you know, bad take that I thought was gone just decides to, you know, crawl back up from the earth and make its presence known. Well, sure. It's like, it's like an immune system. When the, uh, when the immune system is low, the, the, the viruses start to pop back up again. The bacteria starts to rain. Yeah, whenever, whenever you have some slippage in the performance of the team, you, you've got these bad takes. For example, what are some that you're seeing? Well, it ranges just from like, you know, talk discussion about, you know, player personnel. Like I saw one thing where some guy was like, you know, Cody's like, Cody, like Cody Zeller isn't worth his contract. Like, you know, I, I saw things from the pinstripes issues with the pinstripes, like guys, Oh my God! Everyone, settle down. Like the five again. What? Because because I think you know when you go on a five game losing streak, you you know you you dig for things to you dig for things to complain about because you've already complained enough about the performance on the court. So yeah, people so people true. go looking for something. I learned never to bet on something until you find out how much it's going <laughs> to cost you. That's number one. <laughs> I, I figured that out. Cole on the chat says, I learned that Kimba has a more difficult time creating out of a Dwight Howard pick and roll than he ever did with a Zeller pick and roll. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I think there, I, I think Cole makes a, a good point, but I think it's early. I, I think we saw this with Nick Batum at the end of that uh, last game as well, where, you're seeing them still trying to figure out because Zeller and and Howard rolled to the basket differently. Yeah. Uh, the you know Zeller is is a hard cutter. He goes fast to the fast to the rim, whereas Howard likes to sort of slow play it a little bit and then seal his man off and work his way down to the rim. It's a more patient play, and, and that's all timing. And, and I think yes, uh, it, it's a, it's a valid point, uh, but I think we're still. Early in the season, I think it still has time 
to the, the relationship between Kimba Walker and Dwight Howard on the pick and roll and the relationship with Batum and Howard on the pick and roll is going to uh, continue to develop. Oh, oh, I see. I see. Uh, yeah, there's something anyway. rustling behind the curtain. <laughs> okay. Make oh your way God. in, sir. You, di- you diva. Steve Bob in the studio. Uh, you guys done practicing yet? Yeah, no, we're on the air, buddy. All right, we're talking about what we've learned uh, this on this Friday, what we've learned from this week. I'll tell you another thing that I've learned from the Hornets. I think Steve Clifford might be done pretending like he's been cool with playing the rookies this much. <laughs> yeah. Right? He kind of he he joked about it after the Milwaukee game. Here's what he said after that after that Milwaukee game. Come on now, you guys always kill me. I don't play young guys. I'm playing them. You know, no, you don't, but I mean, that's the big thing. No, I mean, I see the same thing. I mean, you know. And then he seemed, <laughs> said, I don't play rookies. I'm playing them. He seemed hey, anxious. Shout out, shout, out, shout out to our buddy Rick Bunnell for that, for the biggest laugh. First and the biggest. He seemed, Coach Clifford seemed anxious before Boston about getting MKG and Batum back into the lineup and playing big minutes. Here's what he said before that game against the Celtics. We got to get to our groups, and uh, I don't know how many minutes he'll be able to play, but you know what? We're 11 games in. Those guys are here, and um, obviously we won't be able to get to the normal rotations here. It'll take some time, but it's at the end of the day, it's what we're doing anyway. You know what I mean? We're we're just you know like you know we're just making our way until they get back. So when they get back, they're going to start, and then we'll get to our playing groups that way. Make it hey, away, Cliff. In the uh, Rick Bennell. Rick Bennell here, Cliff. Uh, just wanted to uh, pop in with uh, that was a great answer. How, how did you get so hilarious? <laughs> All right, Make I'm out of here. Away in the world today takes everything we got. Sometimes you wanna go. Fun Friday. After last night, he was not beating around the bush anymore about this subject. Again, you know, we subbed less tonight. That's why we played better. You know. Um, played our better plays we played our older guys more minutes and um we're gonna do that here now we get these guys back we got to get to groups and uh we got to play the guys who have been playing better and this isn't the time for guys to grow they either got to be ready to play or they're not and uh so we're going to be sub more like this and practice less because we got to get our team game going and uh, it's nobody's fault we've had obviously injuries poor health but uh to find out what we need to do to get better we got to get our older guys out there on the floor. There you go. There's Steve Clifford, and, and by last night I meant, of course, Wednesday night. And uh, he's 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 just blunt. He's saying, "Look, you know this this stretch that they've got coming up, gentlemen, is going to be very very difficult, and and the time for learning is over." And I think he's making references to both Malik Monk and Dwayne Bacon there. For sure. I love it. I love it. He's like our older. I mean, our better. I mean, I mean, the guys I like, I mean, I mean, the guys that I don't want to play. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's clear. I mean, wouldn't Monk and Bacon had a combined about 18, 19 minutes the other night. So once you get Batum back in there, you got Batum, you got Lamb, you got MKG. So there's only so many minutes to go around, but that's, those are the guys he's going to play. And this is the guys he's going to trust. That, that hasn't changed in Clifford just because, you know, they drafted a couple guys. They could play when they needed them to. I mean, it was good for them. It's good for them to get out there. They're fortunate to be able to throw those guys in. But when he falls back on it, I, you got to think those minutes are going to go down for both those guys. 
And Daniel on the live chat saying, if he's getting weary about the rookies playing big minutes, then why did MCW sit on Wednesday? Why put Monk out there as the backup point guard when Michael Carter-Williams is healthy? I think that's a valid question. I wonder if there was a sense from Clifford in that Cleveland game that they were going to need as much offense as they could get because you're not going to it's very difficult to contain the Cleveland offense. You really you really do have to go out there and try to outscore them. And and I wonder if there was a little bit of that, but then, you know, Monk played shot the ball well early, did not shoot as well late, and by then it was probably too back too too far gone to really make a change and get Michael Carter Williams in there. Plus, I mean, Kim will play 39 minutes, so you've got that as well. I mean, don't you guys think, just listening to those comments too, that they're still going to get their shots, right? Like he says they need to be ready. They need to be ready to go. It's not the time to learn. Like I could see Monk getting in there. He can get hot pretty fast. If he if he rolls off a couple buckets, you know, he may give him a longer leash. And if foul trouble pops up, you know, Bacon's going to have a chance to go in there and guard somebody every, every now and again. I mean, I guess there could be some DMPs in there too. Um, they're not going to get them in. But do you guys still think he's going to give them a look? I mean, it's going to be situational, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, here's the interesting thing. Like they, you know, he talks about um, not playing these guys, but then we mentioned that, you know, Monk played over MCW, but Bacon played over Graham. So, you know, and Graham's been Clifford's dude for the past, you know, season and a half. So I don't know. I mean, they'll, they'll, they might play a little bit, but um, clearly the roles are going to be reduced. In all, in all honesty, probably right now it's a good thing. Um, they do need to play at some point. Because we, you know, we need to see some kind of development, or you know, hopefully. But I understand his thinking. This is they're kind of. <laughs> it's not like being said right now, but you know, you have a GM who need who wants a contract extension. You have a coach who would like to probably stick around. Um, if they're not winning, uh, that's not going to help their cases um, moving forward. All right, let's move on. What, what? Anyone else? Anyone else got anything they learned this week from the Hornets, the NBA? I learned that Joel Embiid is. You know, it's a, Eastern Conference is funny because you've got Joel Embiid playing extremely well right now. You've got Christoph Porzingis playing well right now. It looks like the Eastern Conference is in a great position in terms of having superstars ready to go. But at the same time, both Kristaps and Joel Embiid have injury concerns. So it feels like the Eastern Conference has this mighty castle that's built on sand right now that could collapse at any moment. I learned that the East is is a looking. It's going to be really good a lot sooner than. I uh, like people anticipate it. it's been bad for so long. Even if you go back to like whenever the Jordan era stopped, the Bulls Jordan era stopped. I mean, pretty much since then it's been, it's been out West has been the powers. Um, except for the, obviously the heat years, dude, there are so many good young guys out here. Giannis and Kristaps look insane. And Embiid, those are the three. Be- I mean, if you had to pick the three like best futures, you'd have to go with them. And so far they're, they've all been, Relatively healthy this season, correct? I mean, I know Embiid's on a restriction, but and Kristaps is dealing with an elbow injury. But yes, I, but I'm they're saying they're, they're, I, I think there are still future concerns with big men with feet issues. So, are we? Are, are you okay, Nick? Are we boring you? No, no. Like I said, I woke up ten minutes before the podcast, so that's that's more so um, sleep deprivation. Hey, while we're while while I got my boys here and we're talking general NBA, let me throw this one out to you. Serious question: Would you? If you were the Cavs and the Rockets, would you trade that that um, lottery pick for Chris Paul straight up? That would be that would be a good trade. 
Well, I don't Rockets. think the Rockets. Why would the Rockets? They, they haven't even seen what their potential is with Chris Paul. Why would they do that? Uh, because the only place they can go is down with him. <laughs> they're they're playing amazing. Have you? Did you see the game Harden had last yeah, night? Yeah, but that's that's has, against, that's Harden against did something Phoenix. that hasn't been done. That's against Phoenix. That's Harden in the regular had, season. They yeah. need Chris Paul for that. They want Chris Paul to get them over the the hump and competing with Golden State. That's that's why you want. You don't care about having Chris Paul in the regular season. You care about having Chris Paul in the postseason. What Nick? Give me some thoughts. You know, if the Cavs want to want to, you know, trade that lottery pick for MCW, I think that's. A- oh, there we go. That's good. No, that makes sense. That just makes sense. <sighs> All right. Okay, let's talk about this Bulls game tonight for the Hornets. It's a chance for the Hornets to get off the Schneid. Both teams come into this game desperate for a win. Both on five game losing streaks. It's the something's got to give matchup in Chicago. What do we know about the Bulls? Well, they are okay on defense, uh, eighth in scoring defense on the year, but they are absolutely terrible on offense. They stink. They take a ton of three-point shots. They don't make a ton of them. Six in the NBA in three-point frequency, 29th in three-point percentage. They've got I mean, they cleared house, essentially. It's funny, even in their game notes, it lays it out. Like, they, they in a nice kind of PR kind of way, saying, look, you know, we cleared, the, we cleared the decks. We're going young, looking towards the future. They get rid of Jimmy Butler. They get rid of Dwayne Wade. They get rid of Rajon Rondo. That experiment that anybody that knows anything about the NBA could have told them was not going to work out, didn't work out. And they get rid of they get rid of all three of those players. They draft Lowry Markinen. They've got Robin Lopez, who's a great offensive rebounder. So it's a young team. They make a lot of mistakes. They hustle on defense, but they can't hit a shot to save their lives. This looks on the surface, David, like a game that the Hornets should absolutely take care of. Yeah, Nick said the other day um, that it was more about the Hornets than the Cavs, and I think that's totally true tonight. Like, as good as the Cavs can be, I guess, the Bulls are just as horrible. Uh, you mentioned it. They won like two games, two and ten, I believe, on the season. So that's not great. But this is about the Hornets getting back to what they need to do to win throughout this season, right? They've, they've got to rebound the ball better in the second unit. I don't know if that's <laughs> that's going to be a thing that's possible. But they've got to stay locked in for this whole game and, you know, put this team away. They're playing on the road. Um, I don't know what the crowd is going to be like in Chicago, but it's a, it's a Friday night. If they let them get in it, I guess they could. They've got to be professional about this game um, and, and and play to win and, and stay locked in for the whole game. I mean, that's something we have not seen, it seems like, in forever from the Hornets. So they need to get back to playing good defense and executing when they can. I mean, this is this is a game they should win. The Bulls are notorious this season for getting off to bad first quarter starts. So, and the Hornets have been starting games well. So you could see another double digit deficit going in to uh, the fourth quarter. Nick, if if they give up a lead in the fourth quarter, a double digit lead like they did in Boston, like they did in New York, if they do that again in Chicago, and 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 lose a sixth straight game. Do you see some possible some possible shakeups in this lineup? Yeah, like I think I've, I've been kind of um, preaching uh, patience, um, you know, during this stretch because I, you know, even no one wants to lose five straight games, but um, you know, you, you, losing to the Cavs isn't necessarily a bad loss. This, you know, even though it's, I wouldn't say it's a must-win game, it's a should-win game. So if they manage to blow this one, yeah, I don't know what kind of sh- 
uh, shakeups they could make, but it's clearly going to be, you know, they, you want to put all the sirens on, you want to throw the klaxons on, whatever it is. Um, they all need to be going. This is a game that, that should uh, take care of itself. They should get back on the right track, you know, whether it makes a difference long-term is un- un- unsure. But, um, yeah, losing this would not be um, ideal and would certainly, um, you know, my, my point about all the bad takes coming out, um, maybe they would get some validity. Lowry Markkinen has gotten off to a better start than I thought he would. I was very down on Markkinen in, in our draft talk, but he has played better on defense than I think a lot of people gave him credit for. He's a seven-footer playing power forward. Will I think will present a challenge for Marvin Williams at times. Uh, and luckily, MKG will be guarding Paul Zipser, who is is having an absolutely horrendous start from the field. This is it's going to be a nice game for MKG. I mean, he's been having to guard, you know, he's guarded Kyrie, he's guarded LeBron, he's guarded, uh, you know, so many of these tough. Or he was going to guard Kyrie before before Kyrie got injured. But he's had to take so many tough matchups over the past couple of games that uh, this will be a nice reprieve for him uh, heading into this one, playing against Paul Zipser, who. Uh, is is just uh, his points per shot attempt? I think is in like the fifth percentile. I mean, he's he's not playing well. The problem with the Bulls is that somebody on their team is their best player, and there's just no way of knowing who that guy is, um, <laughs> yeah. or who's on their. It's team. probably Markinen at this point. There's no way to know. There's just no way. So you got to watch out for that. They have NBA players, um, so I've heard yeah. they are rough. If we 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 got to put these guys away, um, especially. I mean, come on, MJ. MJ's going to be sitting over there. And uh, Bobby Portis Jr. has returned for the Bulls, giving them a little bit more depth. Giving uh, a little punch off the Giving uh, them a little punch, yeah, and there. that's good. That was um, a pun about him being violent with his teammate. I was reading, MB, I was reading uh, NBA Reddit, and they were doing the, the classic, like, creative tank chants, like, you know, fall for ball, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Right. So they were doing them for the Chicago Bulls. We've got... Uh, set a season low in a quarter for Porter because they they set a season low. A, they said wordy. They said well. They set a season low for a quarter at eight, and then followed it up with a season low for a quarter of seven. So I think a key to this game for the Hornets: get in there and 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 hold them to six for a quarter. Yeah. I think you win the game. Uh, play badly for Bagley. I was going to say I hope your points per possessions sagly. For Bagley. <laughs> Punch Miritich for Donkic. <laughs> That's a good one. I like it because the Miritich-Donkic thing. Is Donkic also um, Portis, a foreign guy? Yes. <laughs> I was, I was going to try to guess the exact. Uh, Portis not only knocked Miritich out, like literally, mm-hmm. but also knocked him out of the starting lineup mm-hmm. because Markinen now going to be the starting four for the Bulls going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, this is this is kind of off topic. We talk about stuff I learned this week. Um, when I was trying to figure out why MCW didn't play, I was trying to see if there was a you know injury. So I did a search on Twitter, and there's a there's a, a running joke going on that um, that um, Levar not Levar Ball. Um, Leangelo, there are a lot of them. Leangelo Ball, no, Lucio Lonzo Ball, Lucio Lonzo. Ball. Sorry, <laughs> Lonzo Ball. Is the joke is that Lonzo Ball is just Michael Carter Williams with the annoying dad. Oh and, yeah, I did see. You know, because I, I went, yeah. I I went a searching for some Michael Carter Williams news yesterday on Twitter, uh, and that's so, that's it comes up a thousand times. Yeah, that's it's a running meme. The 
saddest part about that meme is I'm like, oh, all right, all right, MCW. <laughs> yeah. It's, hey, not so bad. It's getting compared to he's the butt of a Lonzo Ball joke. All right. Got a lot of people in the chat right now with, with the same feeling as Daniel saying, games that traditionally feel like must-wins the past few years turn out to be trap games. I'll be holding my breath until the fourth quarter ends. And th- I think that's how a lot of fans feel right now about the Charlotte Hornets is that no lead is safe, no fourth quarter lead is safe. And that's that's frustrating because that was the story so often last season. And, and you have to wonder when that tide will turn for the franchise. And I know a lot of people are hoping that Nick Batum's return, it's just, it's so tough because they went into this season thinking, okay, we've, we've brought Dwight Howard in and, and that's going to give us a physicality underneath the rim and, and take some attention away from Kimba Walker. Nick Batum and Dwight Howard will, will develop a relationship in the, in the pick and roll and we can start to separate ourselves and when we get those fourth quarter leads, we'll be able to hold on to them defensively. And they just haven't been healthy enough to do that. And and it feels like it's struck at their confidence, at the core confidence of this team, David. Yeah, make sure, just ask me what they could do to change that, Doug. I just want to get this on tape. Okay, what what do you think they could do to turn around their their confidence at this point as a team? Mm-hmm. Did you hear that? <laughs> I did. Okay. I was like, mm, I don't know. Uh, uh, they, uh, I, I don't know. It's a mystery, like you said, Doug, because look at the names they have coming off the bench. I mean, they said it the other night during the broadcast. If you've got Lamb, you've got Zeller, um, and you've got Kaminsky, and that should be th- the buildings of a pretty good bench at this point, and it just has not played up to that. I think Frank's got to get back to hitting some threes from the outside. Um, but you know, they've got to find themselves and I don't know how much of this do you guys lay on, on Clifford? I mean, everyone's getting some heat right now and Doug, you were calling for like changes if something bad goes. I mean, I don't think you were getting it, you know, staff changes, but geez, I mean, people are going to start to get pretty, pretty restless if, if they somehow let this game get away. No, I was more talking about changes to give, give the second unit a little more punch. Yeah. Uh, because they, they just they can't play they can't play their full bench in the third quarter at the end of the third quarter the beginning of the fourth they get killed yeah and, and it's because teams know like teams know they know that it, they can survive the first three quarters versus the Hornets and then turn up the defense on the second unit at the beginning of the fourth and be okay uh, Cole wants to know on the chat what did you, what did we all think about Nick's first game back we'll go around the table here Steve what did you think about Nick's first game back it's great. He looks good. I mean, cool. I, what I, I mean, I don't know. Hey, ask me that. Ask me that. No, hey, hey, David, what'd you think about Nick's first game back? I thought it was fantastic. But go ahead, Steve. I, uh, I thought it was fantastic and I'm going to toss it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I did think it was pretty cool guys that, uh, MK, uh, <laughs> sorry, but came back in. I surprising. It was really surprising. And, uh, you know, I don't know. You guys got takes on this. We all know that it was his first game back. So I'm I'm gonna go with a little outside of the box. Loved him in the in the classic uni. Those guys looked great out there. I didn't get to comment on this yesterday. I mean, the coolest thing was on TV. I'm seeing Marvin run around out there. I'm like, who's that? LJ number two. I see a little monk. He's a little bit bigger than Muggsy. No confusion there. But 
Batum looks nice, man. I like the sleeve. I'm going all aesthetic here. He just he just looked cool. Zeller Zeller looked like he should have been at a um, at a music festival. Zeller looks yeah. like your dad bought you know a jersey and got out there. <laughs> hey guys, I'm running with the boys. Yeah, he looks out of place. <laughs> he had the, he had the dad like leg sleeve, the YMCA like yeah. knee sleeve on. Like did not look like an official <laughs> knee brace in any way. Yeah. He did, he just he just looked like he smelled of icy hot. David, what did you think about Nick's performance on the court? Started off super strong, man. Um, even on defense, got a couple of his early steals. Got that sweet steal on the inbounds pass and the lay-in, um, and was aggressive. I mean, he had a couple dunk shots early on. I, I yeah. thought the elbow might like fly off or, or break, <laughs> but um, he looked good, Doug. Um, I do think he wore down towards the end of that game. I mean, he was pretty gassed. At the end, I think we were all a little surprised he played the amount of minutes he did, just given what we knew going into that game, uh, played 30 minutes. So that's what he's going to have to play, obviously. Uh, first game back, though, I think he just struggled going down the stretch, missed a couple of those open shots, and did have those two Batum-esque turnovers, one that led to uh, a LeBron highlight and, a, and another one that was just a, a little bit of a careless pass. But I, I just think that's kind of what you can get with Nick. They, but they need all the good stuff. I mean, all the good stuff he brings, all the creation on offense. You saw the easy baskets were there um, more so than they have been. And he created some of those with his defense and I think just being on that offense too. So that's going to help. I, I do think we have to keep that in mind. Right? Yeah, one of six from beyond the arc. That shot's going to have to come around because he did not shoot it very efficiently last season. Going to need Nick's offense from beyond the arc to help the Hornets right now because they're, you know, we talked about the Bulls not being able to hit three-point shots. That's been a problem for the Hornets, especially over this five-game losing streak. They really, in the in this five-game losing streak, their offense has been good by the numbers, but they have to shoot the ball better. Uh, and especially in the second half, I, I laid out the stat in the last show, 28th in the league in second half three-point field goal percentage. That's just not going to cut it. When teams turn up their own offense, the Hornets have had trouble responding uh, by hitting open three-point shots, and that's across the board. Kimball Walker, Jeremy Lamb, guys that have been shooting traditionally well from the three-point line have not been able to. Knicks has to improve on that as well. I'm not as concerned with the turnovers late in, late in the game. I think it's something that he was focused on improving in the offseason. He mentioned it after the game. Felt like that was a mixture of fatigue plus, because those both happened late in the game, a game that he played kind 30, 32 yeah. minutes. Yeah, pushing and also you know, again, we go back to what we talked about at the beginning of the show. Zeller and Howard cut to the rim differently and Batum has not had a ton of time to really practice that with Dwight because, you know, all these practices that he's been in, he only had one or two practices where he was really playing like full contact. So hasn't had a ton of time to develop that relationship with Dwight Howard, find out how he moves to the rim off those pick and roll opportunities. So that's all of that's going to improve. I'm not worried about Nick Batum. I thought it was good to see him in the first half being aggressive and playing well with the bench unit it's going to be so key it's it was really to me was the difference in the second unit in the first half of the game and how they performed in the in the latter half of the game is that they had to depend on others uh, to make things happen offensively and and it wasn't happening for for that second unit okay we're going to wrap things up excellent hit that drop we're going to wrap things up with a uh, segment from Steve Bob that we're calling <laughs> That belongs in a museum. That belongs in a museum. 
So do you. All right, Steve Bob is playing the role of Indiana Jones or Carolina Jones, maybe. <laughs> Anyhow, you have some. You've brought some Hornets history playing, for I'm playing us. Playing the role of Indiana Jones, classic uh, basketball uh, Charlotte Hornets guy. What do you have there in your hand? You know, it doesn't have to be Indiana Jones. Just, what? Just pointing that out. It doesn't out. have to be. It shouldn't be, is what I should have said. Well, you don't. A, what, you have something against Indiana Jones? You don't want to be Indiana Jones? I was thinking there for a second. I, I do not. I thought maybe for a second he was one of the thousands of problematic Hollywood males <laughs> today. But no, I think he was. <laughs> he's one of the good generally ones. regarded as a good guy. He does wear that weird earring. I'll say that old old man earring. Uh, him and MJ. All right, what you got that. for us? All right, did you take a screenshot of this or not? This guy. I did, but I didn't put it in the show. It's great. We're running full steam here. We got uh, a November seventh, nineteen eighty-eight issue of Sports Illustrated here, uh, featuring the mailman Carl Malone on that. Almost. Uh, what, what, how many years to the date is that? You do that. Somebody shout out in the what comments. What year is it? Uh, November seventh. Hit 7th, the nerd drop. Hit the nerd drop. Nineteen eighty-eight. No. Thank you. See, that's why I didn't know how many years ago, you know, 1980. This is, so, this is so on brand for you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. This is a this is a segment of this uh, is is called Not in Charlotte. It's about George Shin, the owner uh, of the Hornets and a man of deep religious convictions, instructed coach Dick Harder and his assistants, uh, you know, these other guys, um, to curtail swearing on the bench this season. Shin also wonders if Harder could ask the players to do the same. Um, so he says he says he doesn't want the players to curse at all. That was George Shin's big thing. That was his in. initiative was for his the initiative. team. No cursing on the bench. And uh, he, he gives the reason why. Uh, he goes, uh, well, you know, we're in the Bible Belt down here, and I'm yeah. trying to sell tickets. He just basically admits, like, it's not a personal conviction in any way. No. He even goes as far as to say... That man uh, liked money. He loved money, and he loved exploiting people. He's like, what do you guys like? The Lord? Okay, cool. Well, we're going <laughs> to go with that. We're going to call this the Charlotte Apostles. And uh, 12-man roster? No way. We got the, the 12 apostles here, okay? That'd be and, tough. And, That'd be tough, and, too. Yeah. We're only going to draft white guys named Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. <laughs> and, uh, or Paul. Or, or sometimes Paul, like a vowel. You got to throw him on there at the end. Jack's um, a little confused about what was the name of that coach, the first coach for the Charlotte Hornets? I will tell you. because Enunciate yeah, Enunciate it. I, know, I will tell you this because he, looks, he, he goes, look, we're all human beings, and I'm not going to expect anything unreasonable. I'm not saying that if Dick says one four-letter word, well, buddy, you just said one four-letter word. Exactly. It's Dick. You did. That's a fine. It's that's a Dick dollar. Put a dollar Harder. in the jar. I mean, amazing name, Dick Harder. You got Harder. Dick Harder. <laughs> Harder. Dick Harder. If your name is Dick Harder, you gotta go with Richard. Give it a rip, Harder. You know, you can't yeah. go. Don't go with Dick, man. That that uh, that policy would be tough to employ now on any bench, but especially Charlotte. Well, Steve dude, Clifford not afraid to express himself on the bench. <laughs> That's a great point. Uh, I would have loved to have George Shin say that to Steve Clifford. He'd just be like, "F you, man. F you. F you." Um, the article ends. Harter. He ends uh, the the article ends with um, it also including that George Shin didn't want any any players to have any facial hair whatsoever. And the, the Yankees, yeah, no no facial hair dictum. And then for some reason it ends with talking about the jersey design. But this was a classic article 
uh, about George Shin, a man of strong religious conviction who has ran out of two basketball towns for being a POS. That has been this edition of That Belongs in a Museum. Thank you, Steve Bob. We appreciate it. And we appreciate everyone listening to us and watching us this week. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets and uh, following along with all of the Locked On Podcast Network podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, whatever you use to get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets. Shoot us your Hornets questions and thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. Uh, visit our merch store on tpublic.com to get your Buzzamania shirt. Just go to tpublic.com, search for Locked On Hornets. We're back again next week with more analysis of this weekend's action. Bulls and Clippers games this weekend. We'll, we'll wrap it up all for you on Monday. For David and the rest of the crew here on Locked On Hornets, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.